Welcome, everybody. Filibuster Freestyle. And it's your buddy, Gavin. Filibuster Freestyle presents the F1 Feast. and It is a belated Qatar Grand Prix F1 Feast, which means, honestly, yeah, we'll do a bit of a recap. But if you listen to all the other F1 pods out there, um, the bottom line is you already know what happened. We'll get into it. Max Verstappen wins his third and third consecutive Drivers' Championship. That makes it 21, 22, and 23 those seasons. I think anybody who's not a complete Max Stan would say that his first one was definitely comes with a bit of an asterisk relative to the dominant victories he absolutely earned both last year in 22 and again this year in even more dominant fashion in 2023. But what I want to talk about, in addition to some follow-up thoughts from Qatar, from the Grand Prix there, are just some interesting, do we think Max Verstappen is going to win, say, two, three more championships before blank driver wins one or blank sports team wins one or whatever. I've got a couple things on my list. So a little bit of fun on this one because it's belated. We'll have some fun with it as the F1 world goes, both geographically and metaphorically speaking, from Qatar to Texas. Circuit of the America is coming up next in the schedule. Very excited for the race in Austin, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. The theme song is up next, but first, Drilling Threes, America's favorite party band, is coming back Thanksgiving weekend, November 25th, Bog Iron Brewing in Norton, Massachusetts, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m., three big sets, no cover. Drilling Threes has blown it out in Thanksgiving's past it's been a long time since Drilling Threes has tried to blow it out in Thanksgiving present. Drilling Threes will spare no, nothing. They'll spare nothing. They're going to be after it all night long, all three sets. Horrible promo, but a really good reason to go. Check out Bug Iron Brewing on Saturday, November 25th. Drilling Threes on Instagram, at Drilling Threes. And they're also on TikTok now, also at Drilling Threes. Filibuster, filibuster freestyle. Filibuster, filibuster. Watch out for the filibuster. Filibuster, freestyle. Filibuster, freestyle. It's the filibuster freestyle. Filibuster, freestyle. Okay, so Max Verstappen again dominates the race, dominates the season, and you do need to give Max Verstappen credit because Checo Perez, his teammate is barely holding on to second place in the Constructors. He hasn't been second place in a race in a good while, or if he has, it was like once and there hadn't been in a while. So the bottom line is, you know, Max is clearly easily a top three driver on the grid, easily a top two driver on the grid, and maybe – despite the car being the best car on the grid. Maybe he's clearly at this point the best driver on the grid. But Checo Perez still hanging on a second place in the points. Uh, but that's with Lewis Hamilton crashing out of Qatar on lap one and Checo getting very lucky there. So anyway, i got to tip my cap to Max Verstappen. The Lewis Hamilton, George Russell crashing into each other on turn one I was, I'll say this, and I've been listening to some pods that, that have said this, and when Mercedes had the best car, which they did for a very long time, they didn't need to be elite at pit stops. They didn't need to be elite at strategy. 
because they, they the car was going to bail them out more often than not. And what we've seen with Red Bull this year, none of this is new, is that Red Bull has elite pit stops. They have elite strategy. They have an elite driver. And the last couple of years, they've had the elite car. And their level of dominance in 23, I, th- I think, you know, it, it comes with the best pit stops and the best strategy. And I, I, it's, it's becoming more and more apparent that Mercedes maybe never had the best pit stops on purpose, but now they need them and they can't get there. They never had the best strategy. They didn't need it. And now it bites them a little bit. These are not unique thoughts to what me what I'm saying. I'm just starting to believe it. I'm starting to believe that you know what? Mercedes, I mean, they're a well run they're a well run group. They have a well engineered car. I mean, they're still battling to be second place in the constructors, despite having arguably the worst design of twenty twenty two from a speed and downforce combination standpoint, and then doubling down on that zero side pod concept to start twenty twenty three. They're coming from the furthest back in terms of a, an engineering blunder. And they're still going to be a top three program no matter what in their worst two years in a new set of rules in which they completely botched the assignment. So it's a good team. It's great engineering. I'm not, like, I'm not ripping them. I'm just saying they never had to be elite with the pit stops. They never had to be elite with the strategy. And now that McLaren's got their act together and Ferrari's starting to get their act together, you're seeing it. You're seeing it. And, and uh, we'll see if Mercedes can pull it off or not. But what I want to talk about from other other highlights from Qatar is the McLaren 2-3 on the podium, Oscar Piastri beating his teammate, Lando Norris. And actually, Oscar beat Lando by about... I think he beat Lando by almost more than Lando beat Verstappen by. Now I can't remember. It's been a week. But Piastri beats his teammate, who's supposed to be a superstar. Piastri won the sprint race on the day before, Saturday, for his first ever F1 win, not in an actual Grand Prix. But still, Lando's been with the team for multiple years. Lando hasn't won a sprint race or an actual Grand Prix. So, like Danny Rick before him, but doing a much better job with much more upside. Oscar Piastri. A few weeks ago, we told you Alex Albon, Alex, Alex Albon excuse me, is the real deal, and he is. But he's the real deal in a Williams. Oscar Piastri is becoming the real deal in a McLaren. The McLaren has become a real deal over the course of the season because they also had a terrible design to start the year. Lando's been great. Lando's been Lando. I mean, Lando's supposed to be a top three, four driver, and Lando's putting himself in a position to do just that ever since they started getting upgrades in Austria or Silverstone whenever they were doing it. But I'm not going to lie. I love the upside on Piastri. I love the upside on Piastri. It's unbelievable. He's been coming on so strong. It's, he's the guy to watch. Number 81 in your program, number one in your hearts, potentially. I mean, it's been hard to get behind McLaren of late, especially they kind of did Danny Rick dirty. And again, it, it seems like it was maybe a bad match. But the Piastri thing, getting Piastri out from under Alpine was very, very sneaky, as they say, from Mr. Deeds. Adam Sandler vehicle, John Tortoro. Playing the butler, I digress. But seriously, Oscar Piastri was a great get by McLaren, and now he is putting it all together in his long rookie season. And again, ever since the upgrades started coming and McLaren started to figure out the engineering, the pit stops have been superb lately. Lando has been excellent. 
Oscar Piastri has been excellent, and he's the rookie, which means he's been sublime. And I think he's that dude. I think he's that dude. I think Albon is that dude. And if either Williams can get the car to keep being better, or if Albon can get a, a drive and a more competitive car, I think Albon's, again, he's legit, but I'm putting Piastri right there with him. And again, Charles Leclerc, great driver. Lando Norris, great driver. George Russell, still getting better. A lot of good drivers. But anyway, I just got to give Piastri multiple major props. I got to give Norris decent props, and I got to give McLaren some good props too. So top three, that you know, you had Verstappen, you had Piastri, you had Norris, George Russell. Despite having a tangle up with his teammate on the beginning of the beginning of the race of turn one, and despite needing to get a lot of work done in the car, fourth place, pretty good. He did start second, but still fourth place. Leclerc fifth. Fernando Alonso in sixth in the Aston Martin. Pretty good job by him. Um, again, that Aston Martin, it's tough to figure out how good or bad that car is right now because Lance Stroll has been struggling mightily compared to his teammate all year, which is not surprising, but it is what it is. In seventh, Esteban Ocon in the Alpine. And then a double Alpha Romero in eight and nine. Valtteri Bottas and then Zhu Guangzhou. Both coming through with some points, some key points for Alfa Romeo. Checo Perez started in the pit lane, not a great place to start. Gets the point, gets 10 plays, drives through half of the field to do it. Lance Stroll, first guy out of the points, 11th place. Pierre Gasly, 12th. Albon in 13th. K-Mag, Kevin Magnuson of Haas, 14th. Yuki Tsunoda, 15th. Nico Hulkenberg, 16th. Liam Lawson, AlphaTauri teammate of Yuki Tsunoda. It's starting to maybe wear off a little bit. In terms of the luster, still impressive driver, and he still beats Logan Sargent. Oh, he, of course he does, because Logan Sargent didn't finish. So Liam Lawson, the final finisher of the race. This was like a four pit stop race, a wild race in which the tires couldn't go over 18 laps in 54, 57 laps, which means it was a three to four pit stop race. Logan Sargent had to stop due to being ill. Lewis Hamilton crashed out, lost a tire in the first turn. Carlos Sainz also had to stop racing. So. Another thing I want to talk about, why are we racing in places where the drivers feel sick and the tires don't last 20 laps? And I know some of the answer is money, and that's fine, but you just got to find a time of year to race in Qatar where even a night race isn't unbearable heat, and they couldn't avoid that. And it was, I don't want to say it was dangerous, but it was pretty dangerous for the drivers. Let's go to the standings. Max Verstappen clinches everything. He is 200 and nine points ahead of Checo Perez, and Checo is 224 in the year. So Max has basically doubled him up. Lewis still lurking. He's at 194. Fernando Alonso starting to gain steam. He's at 183, creeping in on Lewis. Carlos Sainz at 153. Charles Leclerc at 145. Lando now at 136. On top of George Russell at 132. Major gap between Russell and Piastri. Piastri now at 83, but Piastri is gaining quickly on George Russell and everybody else. Lance Stroll hasn't scored a point in a long time. He is now in 10th place, 47 points. Gasly at 46, Ocon at 44. They are all jumbled up in that 10 to 12 range. Albon all alone in 13th with 23. He has scored all of Williams' points this year. He should be very proud of that. Botas in 14th, Hulkenberg in 15th, Zhuangzhou in 16th with six points. Yuki still has three points from three different 10th place finishes. K-Mag now has three points. Liam Lawson has two points in his brief career. Sargent, no points. DeVries, no points, got fired. 
Danny Rick, no points through two races, got injured. So the stories here, in my opinion, as we go to the constructor standings, the stories here are Mercedes has a 28-point lead on Ferrari for second place in the constructors. If the Mercedes can't keep each other, they can't keep they can't stop crashing into each other. They gotta stop doing that. Ferrari might actually un-Ferrari their way back into second place. And I gotta respect Ferrari because they have had every bad luck thing happen over the last year and a half. Everybody's taken their shots, including yours truly. And they're sitting in the catbird seat in terms of a top three finish coming out of nowhere and potentially getting themselves all the way to second. Aston Martin is in grave danger of being passed by McLaren for fourth place. Aston Martin sitting on 230 points. McLaren has been gaining rapidly. They are now at 219. They trail by only 11 points. You got to like McLaren to finish the job on that one. And Aston Martin, who finished seventh at the team in 2022, it was all the way up to second place to start 2023. They're now coming back to earth. They're looking like they're going to be right around fifth place. Alpine all alone in sixth place with 90 points. Williams, they have 23 points. All 23 again from Alex Albon. Alfa Romero is, is now, Alfa Romeo, excuse me, has made some moves. They went from ninth place to eighth place on that great weekend in terms of two points, sorry, two scoring drivers. Uh, and they're now 23 points. Sorry, they're now 16 points. They're ahead of Haas, who is on 12, and Alfa Tori still on five. So Williams still hanging on seventh. Alfa Romero's char- Romeo is charging. Alpine will not touch. They're going to be sixth place no matter what. So the real battles here are can Ferrari catch Mercedes and can McLaren catch Aston Martin? I will go with McLaren for sure. I will go with I think Mercedes will do just enough to come in second place. So now let's play a little game. Max Verstappen easily won the 2022 Drivers' Championship. Easily won the 2023 Drivers' Championship despite us having like five races left. So my question might be a little bit more than five races, maybe like six or seven. And it has nothing to do with this year anyway, so who cares what six or seven or five races left. Um, There are two more seasons left in this particular set of regulations for the Formula One vehicles, which means Red Bull will start next year in theory with a huge lead in that their car has been much faster, especially when Max Verstappen drives it for two straight years. And it really hasn't been close for more than a couple, you know, track dependent in 2022 a little bit. And then this year, really, I mean, besides one track, the Red Bull has been fast enough to be a winner every time. So here's my question. Because unless Max retires, he is the odds on favorite to not only win next year, but to win in 20. Five as well. Will Max win two more championships before any other driver in F1 wins one? That's the question we need to start asking ourselves. Will Max win the 24 drivers championship and the 25 drivers championship before any other driver wins one? Basically, you're betting on the field to put it together once in the next two years Versus Max having to sweep the next two years. And I mean, I'm not a casino, but I don't think 
max versus the field for next year is a bet the casino would even take. I think you got to put your money on max. And I think if the casino is like, wow, you're going to make max try to sweep this thing two years in a row, take the field. I still don't think it's even money. I still think max would be favored until somebody can step up. Now the next six races and why it does matter, six or seven, whatever it is, it matters because if McLaren keeps rocking like a rocket ship, the situation I just posed to you about will Max win the next two before somebody else wins one? That's a real question if McLaren actually has their stuff together. That's a real question. And so let's look at the set the schedule real quick and think about what McLaren might be able to do or not do and then think about how we feel about Max winning two more in a row. And I'm not a Max fan, as anybody who's listened to the F1 Feast knows. P.S. No Feast this week. And why is there no Feast this week? Because I couldn't find any Qatari food. And I could have found some Qatari food, but I didn't. And because it's a dry country, I can't even say I had a Qatari beer. Because I don't know. Even if they make Qatari beer, my guess is it's near beer. And I digress again. But anyway, remaining this season, next Sunday... Grand Prix in the United States from the Circuit of the Americas in Austin, Texas, followed by the Mexican Grand Prix, followed by Interlagos, Brazil, a great, fun Grand Prix, Las Vegas, and then Abu Dhabi. My guess is Mexico, that'll be a good race for the Red Bulls, and Checo will have a good race at his home race. My guess is... The U.S. race, I think, I think, I think if Mercedes is out of their own way, they'll be good. I think McLaren will be good. Um, Ferrari, I, I don't know. I think Ferraris are going to run better at, at, at Mexico and Brazil than they are at the U.S. But I think you could see, you probably are going to see a really game effort in the U.S. by Red Bull. You're going to see a really game effort by. By Haas, the American team, you're going to see a really game effort from Williams to give Logan Sargent a good drive as an American driver, probably in his second-to-last American Grand Prix. He'll drive in Vegas and then probably not drive again, maybe. A lot of speculation in the last couple statements here. but um, So, yeah, we're looking at the U.S. Grand Prix. I think Mexico will be a big, a big Grand Prix for Red Bull. I think Brazil will be a big Grand Prix for Mercedes. I think it'll be a big Grand Prix for... Red Bull, and I think McLaren has a chance to run really well well there. Vegas, hmm. No one knows. Street track, complete crapshoot. I don't know if the McLarens ran great on the street tracks earlier in the year, so my guess is they might not run greater than this time around. And then Abu Dhabi, yeah, I'm sure the McLarens will run okay. I actually don't know the track well enough. But anyway, I feel like we're not going to get enough here to know about McLaren in terms of the tracks. I don't know the tracks well enough. I'll be pretty honest about that. All right, but F1 has released next year's calendar as well. 24, 25. I believe the Chinese Grand Prix is coming back next year, a race that I don't think I've ever seen before live. Um, so there's a lot riding on the next couple of years, and there's – there's an obvious thing that happens with the engineering of these vehicles in which the teams that have been trying to chase Red Bull for two years should, in theory, get closer unless Red Bull can unlock more and more speed. 
I don't think next year will be as dominant as this year. I don't think there'll be a year in this regulation set as dominant as this year. But the fact that Red Bull pulled away in year two of the regulation set really makes me think I'll go out there now. I think I think if Max doesn't retire and he has good injury luck in terms of he hasn't, he hasn't missed a ton of races, I just think you got to bet on him to win the next two. But with Piastri being a rookie, and with Liam Lawson being a rookie and maybe being put in to the Red Bull car in the next couple of years, those would be the caveats. Are any of these rookies next-level guys that are going to catch Max the way Max caught people when he was a rookie? And that's that. Filibuster Freestyle presents the F1 Feast. This was a, a quasi-wrap-up of Qatar and a quasi-hypothetical on if Max is going to get to championship number four and five, the next two in a row, before any other driver can win one. I feel like the money should be on the field, but I don't think the smart money will be until proven otherwise.